0: Matthew 25, this is kind of a a special Sunday. We just got through two-week mini-series talking about how we use our words. And we're going the next two weeks are going to be about misgiving and thanksgiving, kind of thanksgiving theme. But this Sunday is is a special Sunday. This week is National Hunger and Homeless Awareness Week. and that's something that, that we're very involved with in the community is, is working with those that are hungry and those that are homeless uh, between the ages of 13 and 25. And so we thought we'd, we'd do a sermon just to talk about, about God's heart for those that are hungry and God's heart for those that are homeless. And, and I know for many of you this might be uh, particularly um, near to you um, since I know a lot of people here have been homeless. Have been hungry before. And I'm not just talking about missing a meal hungry. Um, it's a very <laughs> pertinent issue because uh, because right now in America there's a lot of angst over the idea of of people going without, right? We have all these occupied camps, we have people holding up on the 99 percent you know, shaking their fists at the, the 1% that are wealthy. And and in the world, we're constantly bombarded with these like, with pictures and stories and um, and ads and articles, wanting us to be aware of what's going on in the world, right? Like all the hurt, all the suffering, and how do we respond to that? Is there a way biblically to respond to that? And so, as we turn to Matthew 25, we're gonna we're gonna see a little bit about what Jesus has to say. About those that are in need. The context here, the setting, and this is really important, like every story <coughs> is a setting. And the setting here, we have a few different ones. The first one is where Jesus is when he starts talking to people. And he's at the Mount of Olives. And if you're familiar with the Mount of Olives, that's where Judas finally betrays Jesus and he gets taken away by the Roman guards. But this isn't that time at the Mount of Olives, this is a couple days before that. And so, and so in this week called Passion Week, Jesus is in the Mount of Olives, and his, his disciples ask him what it will look like when the end of the world comes, right? Being November, almost 2012, a lot of you are probably asking the same question. <laughs> what is it gonna look like? Um, so maybe this is pertinent to us in a, in a lot of different ways. So Jesus is, is about to be betrayed and crucified and they're talking about the end of the world. How, how does this fit into hunger and homelessness? Well, first of all, it's so interesting because what Jesus begins discussing with them is how to be prepared, not how to predict what the end of the world will look like when it comes, well, not when it will come. So here's a good example. So how many of you, don't raise your hands, how many of you girls, when you were younger predicted what your wedding day would look like. You can raise the inner hand if you want, but you don't need to raise your hand. The inner hand is like, me, and so you can relate with it. So, so predicting when it would happen. I'm going to be in my prime, 17 years old. Right? And so you get to this point and you're like, okay, this is what it's going to look like. And you spend your whole time predicting. But so did that help prepare you at all for being married? No. No. <laughs> no, some of you are still like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So we spend a lot of time predicting, and that's what we try to do, too, about when is Jesus going to come, what's it going to look like, and so we spend a lot of time predicting, oh, I'm, it's going to be 2012, right? No, 2012, it's 2015, right? Or, or whatever we say, so we, we just say, that's when I need to be ready, is that day, and that hour, that time. But it's interesting, because so many people, all the commentaries that I read about Matthew 25, called all the that Discourse, all try to predict the time that Jesus is going to come. But it's really clear in, in uh, verse 36 of chapter 24, and it says, only the Father knows. He's the only guy that's in the know about this. And the rest of what Jesus is, is talking about is how to prepare yourself for when that day comes. And that's also... Uh, what we find today as we read in Matthew 25. Um, Matthew 25 verses 31 through 46 is where we jump in, and this is what it says. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people. As a shepherd shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, and to eternal fire, prepare the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these my brothers and sisters, you're refusing to help me. And they will go away into a eternal punishment, and the righteous will go into eternal life. In serious words for us. So the setting is for us. We have Jesus speaking on the Mount of Olives. But then within the context of that setting, he, he paints another setting for us to view. And that is of a king in his throne room. And this is incredible. Because here we have Jesus who is is days away from his greatest humiliation. From being stripped and beaten and crucified. And and here we have referring to himself, when the Son of Man comes, and all his holy angels with him, right? He will be the king who sits on the throne. And this is this is incredible. So so as he is as he is preparing himself for the greatest humiliation, he is he is showing them his coming in glory and what that will look like. So he is, he comes in such a way where his identity is no longer challenged, right? So obviously in a couple days, they're going to come and they're going to do whatever they want with him. They're going to come and they're going to hurt him, they're going to harm him, uh, they're going to drag him around. But here we have Jesus coming in glory, the king who sits on the throne. No longer can anyone challenge his authority. And this is amazing. So he comes in his glory. What is, it, what is that glory? What does that glory look like? Um, what is the glory of God? In, in uh, Exodus, Moses says, show me your glory. And Jesus says to him, I can't show you my glory. I can't show you my glory. And Isaiah six, it, it has Isaiah. He has this vision of the king in glory. And everyone around him is just saying, holy, holy, holy. Right? It's this incredible picture. And so here, as Jesus is talking parables up to this point, all of a sudden it becomes clear and real. It says the Son of Man will be the king who sits on the throne. And this is what it looks like. No one's challenging him. Everyone stands before him. This one they've either believed in, they've ridiculed, they've loved, they've hated. <laughs> and, and all they can do is watch and wait what comes out of his mouth. He's flanked by angels. He's in power. And so what does he say? What is the topic of this conversation? This is important. We wait for it. we're listening, what is he going to say? And his first action is to to separate the sheep from the goats. And and all you can do is wait. Which way are you separated? Because because Jesus, the King and Glory, is doing it, and no one's going to challenge him. And I know in our lives we've probably experienced things like this where, where <laughs> we were asked to be prepared for something, and perhaps we weren't. And we're like, well, in and, 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 and the last moment, we're wondering, well, what's the criteria by which we need to be prepared? And, and what is that? Because Jesus offers that. He's not, he's not hidden with that. What Jesus says is this He says, Blessed are you. By my father, talking to the righteous, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. And so all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking with them about another setting, another place, another time. This is really interesting. Because, because I think when we think about heaven, we're just we have this view of like Like we get there, we're like, let's just forget about, let's 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 forget about all that pain and suffering. Let's forget about what came before, and let's just let's just be here, Jesus. you and me hanging out, you know? Like, surrounded by glory, right? And and we're like, we're there in that moment. We're just like, let's just be here. But Jesus said what? He says, remember when I was thirsty? Remember when I was hungry? Remember when I was naked? Remember when I didn't have a place to stay? Right? Remember what was going on on earth. And, and calling us back to the importance of what we do here. So it's surprising. It's surprising that Jesus doesn't say, we would, we would not be surprised if he said this. Something some to the effect of relating with with the way we carried out our lives here. I you know, I was that person that was in, in disbelief, and you showed me the truth, right? I was that person who was caught in, in sin, and, and you brought to me the conviction of, of sin. And because of that, enter into your inheritance. Right? And so this is surprising, right? If, if I was to ask any of you um, who... Who feel very confident about you know about your relationship with Jesus? when when you get to heaven, what is God going to ask you? And probably what you'd say is this. Well, he's gonna say, Why should I let you into the kingdom? And and you will say, Well, because I know Jesus. And he's gonna say, Go for it. And that's usually the way the interaction happens. And, and I, I see this too, and we, we get um, volunteer applications, and that's usually what they say when they say, you know, um, if you were to die tonight, and you went to heaven, if you if you were to die tonight, we we go to heaven and say yes and say why and say so things because I know Jesus, and and what's interesting is is as we have the King sitting on his glorious throne. That's not the first word that come out of his mouth. Does that surprise, does that kind of challenge you, does that, does that amaze you in any way, right? Where our spiritual formalities are like, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you're good, you got the stamp, it's in your passport, fly right to heaven. <laughs> right, so does this surprise you? Allow yourself to be surprised by this. So, the way Jesus makes sense of the separation is this: by remembering the world that we lived in, remembering the confusion and pain, (coughs) and what we did while we were there. A few of these things are really interesting as you look at them. If you look at the one where it says, I was a stranger and you invited in the end, literally what that means is. You, you came al- alongside me and welcomed me into your household. Okay. So it's not, it's not just, I'm not going give you a place to crash for the night. But it's literally like, be a part of my family. So I was an, I was an outcast, and he said, be a part of my family. Where it says, in prison, and you came to me. The amazing thing about that is, is Jesus is emphasizing the going of it. It's not that, that we just, um, we set shop up and we expected people who were hurting and hungry to come to us, but, but in all these, it's very emphasized, you, you brought water to me because I was thirsty, you brought food to me because I was hungry. You participated in these things. And what does that look like in our lives as we're here? Is that, is Jesus just calling us, and, and this is the thing, so as this challenges us, and we say, well... So what it is, Jesus just asking us to make better programs in our churches for this. To be people that are like, okay, I'm going to divide you into four quadrants, and, and you guys take the thirsty, you guys take the hungry, you guys take the prisons, right? <laughs> and we separate it like that. And so, so um, and when the day comes, Jesus can be happy with us because, because we divide our church into four quadrants, and we, we got those things solved, right? I think Jesus is calling us to, to something surprising here, um, because we find out that Jesus is a very serious about what we do. A story was shared here this week that really brings it to light, and I, I really haven't been able to shake it. Uh, it was someone who, and I shared this with the community group on Wednesday, it was somebody who... Uh, works at a shop and, uh, and somebody came in their shop often you know, was an older and, uh, he went to divorce and lived by himself and this is a true story and uh, and, and this this friend saw on, on Facebook you know Facebook isn't all evil I guess he saw on Facebook that this guy was having a birthday, and in his birthday, uh, he goes, "I'm you going know, to, to do this restaurant, and, and if anyone wants to come to share the time with me, can do that." And and so he was of getting off to work and having to remember what he saw on Facebook. And so he, he went to this restaurant, and here the he saw the man just sitting all by himself in this booth, and. So you want to share the evening with me. And the reason why I haven't been able to shake this is because there, there are a few things that, that really hit me, like, like that kind of loneliness, you know, that really impacted me. You know. we, we see a lot of, of hungry people. We see a lot of homeless people. You know. and, and the root of that is a lot of, a lot of loneliness. I that is And just the the power of that shared time, the power of that relationship to notice and to hear. Are we doing that in our lives? There's a story shared by uh, a man who wrote a book um, about helping uh, others, you. And this is really interesting to me. (laughs) He wrote in the book, he says, one of the young people I worked with had an appointment with her pastor just prior to the appointment with me. After she had left her pastor, she um, after she had left, her pastor gave me a call to tell me that she was on her way. So she was incredibly happy about the meeting he had just had with her and happy happily relayed that they had just had a conversation and and he felt that he had really gotten through. You can tell from his attitude that this conversation I literally made his day. Literally just pumped him up. Because he felt so good about the interaction. I was expecting an equally happy happy youth to arrive at my office, but a little while later she showed up in tears. In the discussion with her, the only thing she could remember was that the pastor had told her about how Jesus had died for her sins. And her statement was if he if he was trying to document my sins, he'd be screwed up because my sins are still here. The short-term result of her conversation with her pastor was that he felt better, and she felt worse. And this this really grabbed me. This was a, the first thing I was writing. This was not a it's not a believer. This is his observation. What what impacted him by it was that the, the pastor felt like he really got through. He really built to it articulate to her what he thought was. What she needs to know, the essentials. And he goes on to write this. I'm reading this, not saying I'm agreeing with this completely, but this is shocking to hear this. He says, as a religiously based program, it may tailor its message to saving, students and youth from their sins, forgetting that the youth may need to sin tonight to survive. The representative of the program feels good proclaiming their success or ministering their religion. And the youth on the streets feel worse, absorbing more shame, more degradation. And so why I'm sharing this painful, as it is to hear, is because of this. Is because they felt like I'm just able to communicate, I'm communicating so clearly, while this person is living in this, this place of horrible pain, horrible hunger, horrible, horrible suffering, horrible aloneness. And all that, was, all that was given was a message, right? The Bible presents something very differently for us. And in fact, it says, this is how we know what love is. That Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. I right. understand So this changes our idea of a, a relevant church. This is this is the conversation. If you if you talk about Churches, and the passage. the word relevant will come up all the time. What is a relevant church? And, and I, I, think, I think Matthew 25 should radically change our idea of what a relevant church is. A relevant church, often in our minds, is one that has a really cool worship band and uses really awesome pictures that are sort of abstract with things, you know, poorly lettering on it. Right. It's, a, it's a church that might be able to respond to the the political issues are, are cropping, pretending like all the issues are new, it right? Or where, for everyone carrying an iPad and, and reading Steve Jobs' demography, <laughs> whatever it means for us to be relevant, what does, it, what does that look like? What does it mean for, for us to be relevant? And, and it requires us going beyond mere appearance. Um, we, we go to a church because they are modeling the ministry after the incarnate Christ who became flesh and blood among the people. Right? Because because oftentimes what we do to be relevant is cut our hair in a new way or buy more expensive clothing. But when we come to the day and and we stand with anticipation as the king and in his glory, and and we're all waiting, what will he do? What will he say? What can we expect? And he's offered us something to be prepared. And what he's asking us to do is this. He's asking us to walk in the steps of Jesus' walk, To really be where Jesus was. We talk a lot here about Jesus' ministry. What is Jesus' ministry? In Luke 4, 17, it says he he came to release captives. To free people, those that were oppressed. They can have freedom. And that's what that's what Jesus is about. Jesus isn't just about having guitar solos versus organs right, on a Sunday morning. Or having a big building versus a small building, or whatever that might look like. What the incarnation is, is participation with people that God Participates in humanity, so you can you can bring humanity into relationship with God. That's what's so exciting. So, so what shouldn't surprise us about Matthew twenty-five when we come to it and he's like, "Because I was hungry and you fed me, I was naked and you put me, I was in prison and you visited me," because because when we see Jesus, we see a God who wasn't just in heaven going like, "Hey, I'm I'm throwing the I'm throwing the rope, you know, grab a hold of it," but it was a God who who. Came down and and spent time with you know tax collectors prostitutes when was the last time you spent time with prostitutes in a good way I realized after I said that that didn't sound very good. Maybe we can just take that off the same the the recording, right? (laughs) Mag you need to remind me of that later when I talk about the funny moment. So God came down and spent time with us. This is incredible, guys. That literally, as Jesus walked on the earth, he was looking for those who thought that God was the most foreign to them. And this is incredible. So when we ask, do we really understand Jesus? What we're asking is these two things. Do we understand that Jesus was the one who was actively seeking a relationship with those who were hurting? And are we in a relationship with Jesus in such a way that we are participating with him Because this is what it looks like. The sheep and the goats are both confused when Jesus finally tells them what's going on. At right, the sheep says what do you mean? I I, I knew and I, I clothed you and I visited you in prison. And I, and I think I think what's going on here is that what you, you see in Jesus' first where he says to them he says um he says, Come and enjoy what has been prepared for you. And I think for the sheep, it's because their whole lives are lived in following Jesus. It's not lived in such a way where we're like, you know, feed somebody, check, have someone stay in the house for at least three months, check. Right? So it isn't, it isn't this check system, but it's in, it's in the act of following Jesus. It's Jesus' first call is, he became man and lived among us, was he was constantly calling people, follow me, participate in the ministry that I'm doing. As I go, you go too. And he was constantly saying, come, come. And, and you know where the power to do that is coming from? Because my yoke is easy, my burden is am I'm, I'm going to take the weight of this myself. Right? So rely upon me. And so so those who are going with Jesus and living a life following him, right, where he. He talks about it. he says so where where I am, my servants are going to be there also. And so in his whole ministry is, is one of just collecting people who want to be with him. And so those who are the sheep are those who are just with him, with their shepherd. And so they respond in their whole lives to the words of Jesus: Come, follow me. And in, in John 12, this is amazing. It says, Now is the time for the Son of Man to enter his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But in its death, it produces much fruit. So those who love their lives in this world will lose it, but those who care for their life in this world will. Who do not care for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me, because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor him and who serves me. So, so the call is this. When we come to Matthew 25, and and I think it confuses me at first because, because it sounds so different than oftentimes with articulated. It seems that, that God is actually really serious about loving people, right? And he's really serious about those who are hurting. The guy's who's using the restaurant all by himself. And no one's there with him. I, I mean, I can say yeah. fast on this thing. Those things hurt so bad. And, I, and, and for us to be in a church that is, is responding to Jesus' call, come follow me. Right? Come follow me. Where I am, you're going to be there too is a church who is hearing Jesus say, do you see the people who are hurting? Like, that's, that's where I am. I'm, I'm there in their midst. Um, one thing you'll hear about, a lot of people who talk about like urban mission or any mission is, is that we're not, we're not bringing Jesus to those people. We're going to where Jesus already is working. Right? And it's amazing. So we're really, we're participating in the ministry that Jesus is already doing. Because he just says, where I am there, I want you to be also, and to participate in that. And you guys get the, the awesome um, opportunity. I mean, there's, uh, you know, here every week, you get to see a lot of cool things going on, and a lot of mentors who spend time with the kids who come in, and um, whether it's volunteers, even the staff here, we just, just really spend time with the kids. And I know a lot of a lot of you guys are here because, because you see that being the mission, um of the coffee shop and that's, that's drawing here. like, I want, I want to do that also. Um, you know, some of you guys are really familiar with just coming on, on Sunday mornings here to your church and you you know, like, like hearing the pastor in and you And you hear the truth being preached. Um, but, and, and you're familiar too, though, that, that every day of the week we're open for people just to come in and some things that we, we talk about often, and I just want to share this with you, is how do we really stay fresh? Because um, it's hard when you get so involved in sometimes the practice of these things that you forget when, when God is really offering in all these things is this come and hang out in my house. Okay? That's, that's Jesus' whole message is like, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I just can't wait until we get out of a summer party. But... <laughs> <laughs> the message of the gospel of reconciliation, of actually welcoming people into your home. And the more we're like Christ, the more we're doing that together. And that's what we have to look forward to. And so when we when we get to that day and, and we see this separation going on, and, and that is a very stern word, um, what God's calling us to is getting back to that beginning point, it's not it's not prediction. Of how we can do a last minute sort of preparation but it's, it's how we can really be prepared in our lives and we've been we've been cheering the life of christ and so when we do get there on that day we've just been following him We've been responding to his call to come and just partake and so i encourage you guys as we sing and as we worship together um if if you've just been about that, you've been following, may I just mean, I give you encouragement to continue in that? Um, it's, it's, um, it's exciting, especially because it takes a lot of self right? um, To do that in the world, it's always talking about yourself. Right? If you buy this new product, it'll be awesome. Um, maybe for us who. To, to, um, <coughs> you don't cry very easily, or don't hurt very easily anymore, pray, maybe as we sing or as we go in and pray very specific prayers of God, I, I ask you, if I can hear again and see again exactly what your heart is, if I can share anything with you. Because prediction, prediction completely involves the whole, like, we can separate ourselves. I, I can separate myself from this, but, but what God's asking for us to do is a complete participation in what He's doing. And so, if we can pray together, man, and I ask you, pray for, pray for the rest of us here, right? As I know some are, are even so involved in in the day day, they see so much hurt and so much pain that sometimes it's hard to participate in it. And he's praying for the strength of the people to do that, um, and constantly calling people back to remember, hunger. Um, remember, God is longing for reconciliation with people. So, so hunger, hunger and Homeless Awareness Week, as uh, we come into that, maybe, maybe just make your prayers week, you. maybe even set aside a day to fast and pray without longing. Um, fasting is an art that's lost in the church, I think. not a lot more fasting anymore because I don't, I don't know. I don't know why it's so but. but I think for us, it's calling us to say, God, I hunger so much for a pure desire because my desires become so great. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll worship together. But Father, I for us today that these words it seems like helplessly this are are serious and they carry with us such a an absolute tone as we see when the Son of Man comes all of and all the holy angels with he'll sit on the glory there there's no there's no questions for them. Guys, right now, I pray that you'll give us wise, listening hearts. that, you'll close your spirit again if you want to participate in the life that Jesus offers and the life he's calling us to. And that will be refreshed and that will be... I pray that this will fill us with excitement about that. Uh, the excitement of looking beyond ourselves. And uh, participating in Jesus is doing. God, we pray for, for pure desire for that. We pray to be refreshed in that. God, I pray um, that as we go about to do that, you'll be strengthening our hands and our heart. God, we need a clear vision. You said, God, we you. God, we love you and we look to you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.